Okay, we are in Sefer Yoel. We begin today the second Navi in Treyasar, Yoel or Joel, we're in Pasuk Aleph, Zavar Hashem Asher Hayah El Yoel Ben Pesuel. So if the name Yoel or Joel, as we call him, does not you're right, you're right, yeah. Does not um, fall trippingly off the tongue of a Navi student, like Yechezkel, Yemiyahu, Yeshayahu, it's for good reason. First of all, Yoel's body of work in prophecy, as we're going to see, is just four prakim. The four prakim cons- consists of two separate themes. The first two, Prokim, are a seven-year plague. Four of them, the first four, are locusts of an unimaginable intensity that falls on B'nai Israel. The second is an Acharis Hayamim, that end-of-days kind of prophecy. So as I say, it's four Prokim, short Prokim, and more importantly, we don't really know who Yoel is and what era he prophesied by. You take that first sentence, Now, traditionally, when we do the first puzzle of any Navi, we state who the contemporaneous kings were in the era of his prophecy. Let's take Hosea. It says, Pasuk Aleph of Hosea, Tavar Hashem Asher Hayoel, Hosea ben Be'eri, Bimei Uziyo Yosam, Achaz, Yechizkiyo, Malche Yehuda, Uvimei Yeruvam ben Yoash Melech Yisrael. It lists every king under whose era he was prophesied. Here there is no mention. Who were the kings when he prophesied? What era did he prophesy in? Rashi gives us three theories, three possible theories. One, we know that Shmuel, Navi Shmuel, had a son, Yoel. Could he possibly be the son of Shmuel? The Paltiel, or the Pesuel, comes from the Shmuel's quality of that he pacified the Kaddish Baruch Hu. That is what it could mean. The problem with that theory is we learned in Shmuel that Shmuel's sons rebelled against him. That's why he was not able to hand over his Nevoah prophecies to them. So how do you reconcile that, that the heathen son would become a Navi? And Rashi explains that perhaps he did tshuva which would be a stretch because one not only would he have to do tshuva, but enough tshuva to become a navi as well in that same era. The second theory, which has more plausibility, is that he is sometime after Elisha, Elisha Hanavi in the time of Yehoram ben Achav. The reason why we light on this theory is because as we've said, he is going to prophesy about a seven-year famine in the land. 
Elisha likewise warns Ahav there will be a seven-year famine. So that perhaps could be the era in which we place Yoel. A third theory Rashi posits is he is contemporaneous with that evil king Menashe. And we know that Menashe is so evil that it would be unfair to mention alongside of a Novi like Yoel, the name of Menashe. So those are the three major theories. The one that seems most plausible is Elisha because of the similarity of the famines described. So with that, let's plunge into it. And we're going to learn that in the famine, the first four years are locusts, just incredible, torrential, intense locusts. And we're going to learn more about locusts than you thought possible in this period. So, starts the Navi. Shimuzos haskenim, the hazinu kol yosrei ha'aretz, Listen to me, the elders who have been the institutional memory of Israel. And listen to me, all you citizens of the land. Is what that is about to follow that I am going to tell you, have you ever seen it in your lifetime? Or in your father's lifetime? This is un. Precedented. So, Aleha Livnechem Sapru Uvenechem Livnechem Uvenechem Lador Acher. You are going to tell this to your children and your children's children in the next generation. There is going to be, as we're going to see, a famine preceded by four years of just the most terrifying qualitative and quantitative locusts that you have ever seen. That in itself raises a problem because we have learned in Shmos the, the Maka of Arba, locusts that B'nai Israel get. And in there, the Navi, I'm sorry, the Chumash tells us, Vayal ha'arbe al kol eretz Mitzrayim, on all Mitzrayim, Vayonach b'chol gvul Mitzrayim, it's in every boundary of Egypt, Kaved ma'od, very heavy, l'fanav lo ha'yochein arbe kamohu, v'acharav lo yiyekein. There was no such plague like this in intensity before, and there never will be again. So how do you conform that to what the Torah says, that there will never be another Arba. Answers the Mepharshim, including the Radak, that this is different. Arba was one species of locusts. This is four species of locusts that come, as we're going to see, most Mepharshim bleed one year after another, each year a different species with a different function. And that means that it's different than the Arba described in the Torah. Ramban has a more plausible theory in that when the Torah says there will never be another Arba plague, it means Mitzrayim. Here we're talking about Eretz Yisrael. But in either case, this will be something that the world has never seen. Describing it, Menorah says, 
It's going to come in series, in sequence. Some say it all came in one year. Uh, Rashi says that. But the other Mephorshim say no. Each year, a different species of locust came with a different form of devastation. They have different functions. And the Navi is going to describe them. Yeser ha-gozem, ochel ha-arbe. Arbe is an abundant kind of locust. It is just quantitatively intense. But after they come and just swarm through the land, what they have not devoured, there will be something left over, uh, that first would come the gezem. So the gezem is a cutting kind of locust. It cuts the fruit. It cuts the produce. What that hasn't left, the arbe will take over. Furthermore, um, yeser ha-arbe, what the arbe doesn't consume, ocho ha-yelek. Yelek literally means chewing. It's modus operandi of this locust is it just chews the fruit. Followed the yeser ha-yelek, echal ha-chosil. The chosil devours. The chosil just devours the fruit the produce completely. So again, four kinds of intensely quantitative locusts, destructive, leaving in their swap just total, as we're going to see, total destruction of the land, which results, of course, in the three years of famine that come after it. Our Barbanel gives a metaphorical explanation of both of the four years of locusts, each one represents a different conquering malchus. Uh, Arba is bavel because of their quantity. Um, Gazem could be paras, their cutting uh, of the nation in half. Chelek is yavan, Greece, the chewing up. And finally, Khalil, the total devouring, would be Rome. So you pick your metaphor there, but he is saying that it is metaphorical, while we're saying it's a very real uh, concept. So, you've got these four species. Continues in Navi, Hakitsu Shikorim, you drunkards, get up and weep, mourn. And you who are the, the casual drinkers, people who just love wine or like wine, you have to mourn because it will be cut off from your mouth. In other words, there aren't going to be grapes to make wine after these locusts get through. There will be absolutely no wine. Uh, Gai could mean a nation, but that's not what it means here. They, it comes like a foreign invading nation, each series of locusts. Mighty, cannot be counted. They are so many. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion. Umisalos, umisalos is a stronger kind of tooth. We would call it the molar. Lovey low, like a stronger kind of lion in that it devours everything it touches. Shum gafne l'shama, my vines have been uh, made desolate. V'seinai l'chatswa, chashaf, the dates 
the date trees have been led to room. The barks of the tree had been stripped and the branches turned white. There's nothing left. There's no bark. There's no sap in between. There's no tree. It's just completely whitened. And note, no, it's not just the grapes, it's the vines themselves. And of course, the natural consequences, you're going to have to regrow the vines. And the grapes then again are, would not even be permissible under the laws of Arla. For three years, you can't eat them. So you're talking about a long process here of total devastation. This line is somewhat familiar from the last uh, kina that we have, that we say on Tisha Weep, you besula. Adorn yourself in sackcloth. Because of the husband of your youth, we're referring to a bride whose husband is cut down even before they have an opportunity to be married or is cut down early in their marriage and she mourns for her. That is what this is analogous to, the destruction. Interesting. So therefore, if you've destroyed all the produce, you've destroyed the mincha, the, the flour, and the oil that one uses for the carbon mincha, the nesech, nesech is the wine we use for the libations, the nesech hayayin, mi beis Hashem, are gone from the Kodesh Baruch. You can't bring karbonos, uh, and therefore, avlu ha-kohanim Hashem. And the kohanim who service the Kodesh Baruch and the avoda and the karbonos, they are very much impacted uh, and they are in mourning quite simply if there are no korbanos, there are no kohanic gifts. If there are no kohanic gifts, you have struck at their parnasa, uh, and so they have a very good reason to mourn, but that's how devastating it is. Shodat shodat avlo adama, the fields will be devastated, the land will be devastated. Kishodeh dogam, the grain, hovish kirosh, the wine will be dried up, umlal yitzhar, the oil will be gone. There will be just total bewilderment. Hodishu ikarim, the farmers, we will call them, farmers or crop, those who plow the crops, hilalu will mourn, karomim achita, the alsa oreha, because what is gone is the wheat, the barley, the fields are despoiled. There's nothing growing in the fields. The wine is dried up. The uh, figs are totally gone and bewildered. Rimon, the pomegranates, the dates, they're mentioning the Sheva Minim, the seven indigenous fruits to Israel, all gone. Tapuach, we define it as apple, but it's probably something else in the citrus family. Call Otsei Hasadeh Yoveshu, all the trees of the field will dry. Kihovesh Soson the joy is gone. There's no daily, there's no food, there's no parnasa, there's nothing to sustain you. Of course, 
your, your joy in life is destroyed. Chidru v'siftu ha-kohanim, as we've said before, don sackcloth and mourn you kohanim, hillulu mishoseh mizbeach, those who serve the mizbeach, the avoda, bo line basakim, wear your sackcloth even through the night, wear it 24 hours a day, mishoseh Elohim, those who service the Kodesh Baruch in the mikdash, as we've said, there is no oil for mincha, there is no nesach libation for yayin. Kitchen song, declare a fast, kiruat sorrow, call an assembly. Isthu zakanim, gather the zakanim. These were the steps we did when the rains were withheld to Tanis to pray. Kol Yoshrei Ores, base Hashem Elohechem, go to the house of the Kodesh Baruch Hu, the Zaku El Hashem, scream to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's no remedy other than crying out to the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Ehol and woe is that day, Kikarov, that is coming near, Yom Hashem, who showed Mishada Yovo, and destruction from the Kaddish Baruch who will come. Layom, that day, says the Radak, we're talking about Tishabah, where both temples will be destroyed. And the point is, and we should stress it, in these locust situations, nobody in their right mind viewing it can say, this is Teva. Locusts, it happens. This is happening so miraculously that everyone who sees it has to say, this is the hand of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hello, Behold, in front of our eyes, we are seeing this. Food supply cut off me, Beishelo Kenu, Simchavagil, all joy and happiness. Avshu Prudos, Avshu Prudos, Tachas Magdefehem, the um, barrels, the one we store wine, are dried up, are going to store the lids from the barrels because without any product to put in them, they will get moldy and be destroyed. Similarly, Nishamu Otsros, the granary storehouses, there's nothing to put on them. They will become moldy and destroyed. Nerosasu Miguros, the silos, will become destroyed. Kiovishu Dogon, the grain supply is non-existent. There's nothing in there. Man and Chabahem are the animals moan. The Honu Edre Bokka, because their their food supply is gone. Uh, the Bakar wanders around Kiein Miralahem. There's no sown, there's no Food to them. Gamedri Hatson even the Tson. Remember the Tson when they can't get food cheap, they climb to a higher elevation. They can keep climbing all they want. There's nothing on the mountains for them to eat. Call out to the Kodesh It's like a fire is consumed the old midbar. In the desert, even the desert that is remote, there is nothing. Nothing to feed on. The remote trees are destroyed and despoiled. The animals of the field, the non-domesticated animals, have, have nothing. They, left, they cry out. There's no food supply for them. The well springs, the main springs have dried up. The Eishachla and the Midbar and fires consume the homes 
in the Midbar. So we see Yoel is predicting a very dire scenario, and it doesn't stop there. 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, the locusts and the devastation continue. Ad Khan.